Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here today. Why don't you stand with us today? Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells the very interesting story of the nations of Ammon and Moab coming against King Jehoshaphat, the nation of Judah. And they reported to Jehoshaphat that there was a vast army coming against him. And Jehoshaphat called all the people together to fast and to pray. And it says that he told God, we are powerless against this vast army. And we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the spirit moved on one of the prophets. And the prophet told him, Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord is with you. This battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. And it goes on to tell the story of how Jehoshaphat called the people together and they went out to take their positions before the battle and they began to praise. And what I find interesting about that part of the story is at no point did God speak through the prophet to tell them you need to begin to praise. They just did it. And the scripture says that as they began to praise that God set ambushments against the Moabites and the Ammonites and the enemy destroyed itself. There's so much to be pulled out of that story, but here's what I want you to want to leave you with today as we enter into this worship set. Whenever you begin to praise, there are things that happen that we cannot explain. The Spirit of God moves in and begins to work on our behalf. I don't know what your battle is today, but listen, you're not in it by yourself. God is with you, and if you will begin to praise and worship Him, He will move on your behalf. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you,
everybody here and uh, thank you so much for coming all of our guests here today welcome we're so glad that you're here with us today at Grace Church and uh, those of you joining us on live stream Facebook live thank you so much for joining us as well and uh, we appreciate you watching and worshiping the Lord with us this morning and uh, just want to take a, a moment and uh, throw out some 
some accolades. And um, first of all, I want to really applaud and appreciate our uh, media booth team, our production booth, uh, fantastic people that over the past several weeks have been stretched and pulled in every kind of direction you can imagine. But um, they've been masterful. Uh, They've been excellent. And I appreciate them so much. Let's give these folks some appreciation. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And then I'm real excited today. I'm genuinely excited. Uh, I actually told somebody yesterday that um, prior to this past March, I kind of took for granted having church on campus. Um, I think we all understand how quickly uh, that just went away. Just all of a sudden one week to another it it just seemingly went away but now that we're all back on campus it's a great thing man and I have a new appreciation a new respect just glad to be back on campus today thank the Lord glad to see you here and uh, I do believe it seems like at least for the moment that all of this is moving in the right direction and uh, so we wanted to resume our uh, Wednesday night kids ministry and um, we wanted to be very careful and uh, very calculating with that. And uh, so we decided to wait until school started and uh, to see how that was going to go, see how that arena would work. And it seems, from what I hear, um, it seems like it's gone probably better than a lot of people expected and anticipated. There's been trouble spots here and there, but across the board it seems to have been going very well. So we kind of took that as a, an opportunity kind of a green light to uh, resume our kids' ministry uh, back on campus. And uh, we're doing this on Wednesday night at this point. And uh, there may be some things coming up in the future that will uh, mandate that we'll see but uh, and help us pray about that. But uh, this past Wednesday night was our, our first Wednesday night. And uh, I just was able to walk around upstairs for a few minutes uh, after even after service started down here and uh, boy the classrooms were buzzing I assumed our staff upstairs really appreciated that and was excited as I was about it uh, jury's still out on that one but it seemed like the kids were just so eager they were so excited uh, there was a lot of energy even our, our staff uh, spoke to them greeted them what have you they seemed to be very excited just to be back and to have that opportunity again. And uh, so while we're appreciating people, I want to applaud all of our Wednesday night staff. They've all come back. They're all eager to start teaching our kids again. Let's give them some appreciation. Thank the Lord. I love it when people, when adult people are willing to plan, they're they're willing to be visionary uh, for no matter what age group of children they're teaching. And I just am so appreciative and put such high value on people who are willing to take on that responsibility. And we have a wonderful, wonderful group here at Grace Church that does that. And we love them and appreciate them so very much. Now, in light of that, this coming Wednesday night, we are hosting a missionary. And uh, Brother Carl Sledge and his wife will be with us this coming Wednesday night. So all of our Wednesday night staff knows what that means. Everybody comes to the sanctuary. But in the, in the process of all of this, the following Wednesday night, um, we've been uh, just kind of going around, what, what are we going to call our, our Wednesday night 
kids ministry. And uh, so we've decided we're going to just call it uh, Grace Student Classes. And uh, we're not going to do Wednesday school and Sunday school on Wednesday and none of that makes sense. So we're going to call it just our, our Grace Student Classes. And uh, so we want everybody to that's here today, if you have children uh, 11 and under, bring them on Wednesday. It would be a great opportunity for you to be in Bible study. If you have kids, grandkids, whoever it may be, uh, bring them on Wednesday night. And uh, they will be blessed. They're going to be taught something relevant. They're going to be taught something that's applicable. And uh, something that feel free to ask them on the way home, what did you learn in your gray student class tonight? <clears throat> and uh, they'll be happy to share that with you. I'll also mention that we will, we will be resuming our junior high, senior high, um, college age group uh, here in the next couple of weeks. We've used their rooms for a big staging area for all this sound and lighting remodel we've done. And, uh, but we're kind of getting to a point now where we can start moving that stuff, consolidating it. Um, I'm very happy to announce that um, uh, one of our pastors from Georgia I uh, do not remember the name of the town. I've just, I just met him just several Sundays ago. Him and his wife were here. Um, it's Brother and Sister Dominic Williams, the pastor's in Georgia. But he's coming tomorrow. And we're donating all of our uh, previous sound equipment to them and their church. And I'm real excited about that. And uh, so really glad that's worked out. And uh, I know it's, it's probably not worth a lot of money for us to sell it. But for them to go buy all of that new would be thousands and thousands of dollars. So we're very happy to uh, pass that on to them, and we'll look forward to seeing him tomorrow. So as soon as those rooms are cleared out, we will begin um, our, our student ministry for our junior high, high school, and college uh, students. And uh, so be listening up for an announcement about that, and uh, let the Lord have his way. So once again, are you glad to be here today? Isn't it great to be on campus? Just amazing to be back on campus. Thank the Lord. God bless you as Brother Ben comes. Praise the Lord. Just a few things to tell you this morning, and, and then I'd like to share something before we transition back into worship. Um, please remember that you are able to give at Grace. Uh, it's changed up a little bit, but you're able to give electronically and through uh, the receptacle that's in our lobby. And uh, Monday... September 28th at 714, we're continuing the United Family Prayer Time at Home. This is a great time for you to get together with your family and worship God and, and pray. Prayer changes things. It really does. Tuesday, September 29th, we will have Tuesday morning prayer here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And as Brother Murphy said, we will have a, a missionary, Brother Carl Sledge, who is a missionary to Germany, will be with us on Wednesday. And finally, on Saturday, October 17th, we will have family night out. I, have, I look forward to this every year. I'm like a big kid. I love that. So, October 17th, family night out, 4 to 7 p.m. Please register online. Everybody say praise the Lord. I'm going to share this with you because I really feel that God wants to talk to somebody before we begin to worship again. We're here to worship God. We're here to lift up his name, to magnify him, to align our minds with the reality of our God. God is real. He is supreme. He is sovereign, and he's here to help you. Brother, Brother Jason, you stole my thunder this morning. God gave me the, exactly the same thing to tell you about Jehoshaphat. And this is what I believe the Lord wants somebody to know, that the, that the sound of your worship 
is going to be what precedes your victory. The sound of your worship, of you magnifying God, is going to precede that thing that you need to be victorious in your life. Can you worship the Lord this morning? Can you magnify Him? Every 
Just don't let it pass us by. Come on, somebody identify with the presence of God that's in this place right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on, somebody ought to lift up a shout of praise. Somebody ought to lift their voice. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I've, I've coined a little phrase in my prayer time. Because you know, the Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. But sometimes that takes a little effort, especially in your prayer time. You got to get your mind right. You got to get your heart right. And so I've just been saying, God, I propel myself into your presence with my praise. I propel myself into your presence with my praise. Sometimes you just got to propel yourself, but you do it with your praise. And if you can't think of anything else to praise God for, praise Him for who He is. Praise Him because He is holy. Praise Him because He is worthy. Praise Him because He is almighty God. Clap your hands in this place today, woman. Have you come expecting a miracle today? I have. And thank you, praise team, for leading us into the presence of God. What a powerful, powerful platform has been constructed for the preaching of the word today. And I just believe that God is going to, to manifest himself in this place before we leave here today. Amen. Amen. I want to give honor to Pastor Sister Murphy today. Um, if you found that 2020 has been a challenge, you should try leading a congregation of any size, but in our case, a congregation of almost 300 people through the last eight months, nine months of time. And our leaders have done an incredible job, an amazing job of leading us through some incredible times. And I give them honor today. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't it great to have leadership that hears from God? Isn't it great to have leaders that have the mind and heart and voice of God? And I want to give honor to the ministry team as well. I don't say that often. I don't say it enough. But what a privilege to serve with our ministry team, to serve you, to serve the kingdom of God. I honor these men and their families very, very much. As you're turning to our text today, Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, 16 through 22. If you have your Bibles, please turn there today. I asked the Lord, said, Lord, what do you want to do in the service today? And if you're finished turning in your Bible, if you have a need here today of any kind, would you just raise your hand if you don't mind? Would you just, it's no, no shame in that at all. We all have needs. That's what God wants to do today. I believe that's what God wants to do today. He wants to minister to every need, every life, every situation in this house today. Luke chapter 7, verse 16 through 22 If you go home and read prior to this, 
you'll find that Jesus was doing some incredible miracles. He was doing some awesome things. And we pick up the story in 16. There, there came a fear on all. And they glorified God saying that a great prophet is risen among us. And that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went out or went forth throughout all Judea, throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him, that is John, of all these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he should, that should come, or look we for another? And when the men were coming to him, that is Jesus, they said, John Baptist has, Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? These were very trustworthy disciples. They took the questions back verbatim, by the way, word for word. And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind he gave sight. And then really our text today. Jesus answering said unto them, go your way. Tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor to the poor, the gospel is preached. I want to preach today from this subject, the miracle of the Messiah. The miracle of the Messiah. And if you would set your Bibles down and one more time, let's just pray that God would have his will in the remainder of this service. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to preach the gospel. I thank you for the opportunity to share the word of God and your word will not return void. I pray, God, right now that you would challenge every mind, every heart, lift our faith. And Lord, let there be a manifestation of your power and your spirit before we leave out of here today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Welcome to the planet. I'm not sure what planet this is that we're on, but here we are. Tell your neighbor, look at somebody and say, I wish you'd come back down to earth. Well, here we are, and we might as well make the most of it. No one ever said that this would be easy. Farah told me about a meme she saw the other day. It said, what if 2020 is just a trailer for 2021? That's a pretty depressing thought. <laughs> I've never been so happy in all my life to see the weatherman zoom out on his radar and say, there is no activity in the tropics today. And then he added rather ominously, at least for the next several days. What if 2020 is just a trailer for 2021? That could be, but I remain the optimist, and I believe that there is always hope, and I believe that God has the future firmly in his hands. See, I started out a long time ago on this journey with Jesus, and I believe he's still got control of my life. I believe he's still got control of the world, and I hope today that you haven't forgotten who Jesus is. He's the first, he's the last, he's the beginning, he's the ending. He's the line of the tribe of Judah, he's the holy one of glory. The Bible says he's the fairest of 10,000. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's our redeemer, our deliverer, our healer, our provider. He's the same yesterday, today, and Forever. Oh, I wish you would clap your hands to Jesus today. 
I believe I'm standing before a group of people who believe that today. And we walk by faith and not by sight. But it's that not by sight part that's so difficult sometimes. And in times like we are experiencing now where the whole world is shaking and and, and, and things are upside down, it's easy to lose sight of who the author and finisher of our faith really is. Sometimes even the most faithful of us can look around at the circumstances of life and by way of our doubts and our fears have our focus and attention move from Jesus. And we may even start to ask, is Jesus really who he says he is? Can he really do what he says he can do? This is the place where John Baptist was in our reading today. Of Luke, and I want to point out this day and time that we're talking about, that we're studying today, this was not a peaceful period of time. This was a time of tremendous political upheaval, tremendous social change. The smell of revolution was in the air. The old was quickly being replaced by the new, and no one was sure what to do with it or how it was all going to end up. That's the environment that Jesus chose to make an appearance. Are you with me? And so John had the privilege of announcing the Messiah. And according to Jesus, among those born of women, there was none greater than John Baptist. And when Jesus stepped onto the stage of the world in that time of great turmoil uh, turmoil and tumult, John Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He knows this instinctively. He knows it by faith, but he also knows it by divine calling. And he states unequivocally that Jesus is the Messiah. And John's an amazing man because when he's not announcing messiahs, he's out baptizing people. He's preaching repentance. And he's pointing people to Jesus. In short, John is having a one-man revival. He is having a move of God in Israel. But then life takes an unexpected turn. John is thrown in prison by Herod. And if I could kind of spark our imaginations today, John begins to wonder about this Jesus that he's pronounced to the world. He knows that Jesus has come to set up a kingdom. And I'm wondering if John, maybe like some of the others, had gotten to the point where he thought it was going to be an earthly kingdom. Maybe he, with, with that revolution in the air, the, the, the Jews were just busting at the seams trying to, to get, uh, get out from under Roman oppression. Maybe John thought he was going to, that Jesus was going to establish something on earth like so many others. But regardless, what, whatever John thought, maybe, just maybe, he could muster enough faith down inside, being that he was the one that, that, that announced the Messiah. Maybe he could reach down enough to believe that Jesus was going to do what Jesus said he was going to do. That is establish the kingdom of God in some way. But now John's in prison and he finds himself in a place where personally the future looks really, really We've been in a place in 2020 where things have happened on a global scale at an unprecedented pace. 
and we've been bombarded with social upheaval, political upheaval, pandemic, a world we don't even recognize anymore. But somehow through it all, I would say most of us in this house today, you've heard pastor preach and you've heard the word of faith and you've heard the ministry team preach and you've, 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 you've set your fears aside and you've somehow looked by the eyes of faith and you really believe God's got all this under control. You really believe now I can see that God's hand is in all this. Really, you don't have any other choice if the truth was told. But you believe, and I believe, that God is going to do something in this place. So I've got that. But then I look around, and I've got my personal pressures. Somebody said that if the doctor tells you to prepare for pressure, you better look out because that really just means pain. I've got my personal pain. I've got my trials. I've got sickness. I've got family relationships that I don't know what to do with. I've got problems. Essentially this, that since even though that the pandemic has taken everybody's attention by storm this year, my problems haven't gone away. I've still got to wake up every day and deal with my life. So John Baptist begins to wonder and he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, are you the one, Jesus? I just got to know, are you the one? Not so much are you the Messiah for the world, but are you the Messiah for me? Are you Jesus in my life? And in my imagination, I like to, when you read scripture, maybe you already do this, but if you don't, you should. You need to play it out in your imagination. You need to get into the text. Play it out. And, and we read it today. You saw it. The, the disciples asked Jesus, are you the one? Should, should we look for another? John wants to know. And the Bible says Jesus turned and started doing miracles. So in my mind, you know that emoji on your iPhone that has the eyes that do like this? I think Jesus, he don't say anything. He just looks at him like this. And then he turns and he says, here's somebody with the palsy. I'm going to heal them. There's somebody with blind. There's somebody. Needs me. He begins to heal them just like that. And then he turns to them and says, "Go." by the way, just go tell John what you've seen, what you've heard. Blind see, lame walk, lepers cleanse, deaf hear, dead are raised, poor gospel is preached. And at first hearing for them and first reading for us, that probably doesn't sound like much of an answer. In fact, it's not much of an answer. He just says, go tell John what you see. But here Jesus identifies four specific areas, four broad categories of miracles that he had been performing. And John would have understood the answer very, very clearly. Notice your screen. I'm, I'm putting these four for you here. The blind see, the lame walk, that's one category. The lepers are cleansed, that's category two. The deaf hear, category three. And the dead are raised. That's four. There are four distinct categories of miracles or references to miracles that John would have understood what Jesus was talking about. And these said very clearly that he was and is the Messiah. He really is who he says he is. I want somebody to know today that I've tried Jesus and I found him to be true. I've, I've tested his promises and I've found them to be true. I want you to know today if you're going through something, you can trust Jesus to be who he says he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. He's the Messiah. He's Jesus. 
and he's still working today. I want somebody to know he's still working in your life. I want you to know that he is who he says he is. So let's go. We're going Bible study here. I want you to just buckle your seatbelts, take a deep breath. I got I to gotta share with you some stuff to get where we're going. John understood this reference to these four categories of miracles because there was a consensus among Jewish rabbis and sages that there would be four distinct miracles that only Messiah could do. The Talmud records, the writings records that Jews and the rabbis and sages based this teaching on mostly the prophet Isaiah. They went back and took most of the prophet Isaiah, his prophecies concerning Messiah, and they distilled the miracles that Messiah would do down to four. And they felt like if somebody could come and do these four miracles, that person would be the Messiah. Now, I don't want to cross your theology today or mess you up in any way, but there were other people doing miracles in Jesus' day. Jesus wasn't the only one doing miracles. Remember, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, we found a group of people casting out devils in your name. What do you want us to do? Jesus said, Leave them alone. If they're not, for, if they're not against us, they're for us. There were miracles going on. But there were four distinct ones that would be the distinctive of the Messiah. And this is what Jesus is referring to and what John would have understood. So today, let me talk, you, we'll talk with you very quickly through these four miracles and we're going to get to a, a point here, a point we want to make concerning Jesus. The first one, this first miracle I want to talk to you about today that only Messiah could do was the cleansing of leprosy. Only Messiah could do this because it was believed by Jew, the Jews that leprosy was inflicted by God himself. Therefore, only God could heal leprosy. According to the Talmud, it was easier to raise the dead than it was to cleanse the leper. Further, you read the Jewish sages, the Jewish writings, there is no record in Jewish history of anyone ever being cleansed from leprosy since the giving of the law, the giving of the Torah, Moses' law. Jesus alludes to this in Luke 4.27. Read it when you get home. He, he alludes to this, if my Bible scholars are thinking about Naaman, Naaman was a Gentile, he was a Syrian. There is no historical record in the Bible or any other writing of anyone being healed since the giving of the law of leprosy. So right out of the box, we go to Mark chapter 1, and Mark hits the ground running, and he tells us in chapter 1 of a miracle that Jesus did cleansing the leper. Verse 40, there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying, if you will, Jesus, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and says, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was clean. And straightly he charged and said, don't tell anybody. See, Jesus wanted to keep it under wraps. He knew that this would identify him as the Messiah. And he didn't want that knowledge rolled out until his perfect timing. And then in, in 44, he says, watch this. He says, go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Imagine that priest's response when for the first time since the giving of the law, somebody walks in and says, I've just been healed of leprosy. 
He probably had to go look it up in the book of Moses and see what he was supposed to do ceremonially because it had never happened before. And it's another sermon for another time. We'll get into it hopefully soon. But Jesus says, go offer for those things that Moses commanded. Those things Moses commanded was a guilt offering that had to be offered. See, in the, in the scriptures, leprosy is a type of sin. Leprosy represents sin in the, old, or in the Bible, Old and New Testament. And, and so when this leper who was cleansed had to go offer a guilt offering, it was because sin has to be reckoned. It has to be atoned. And so we find then and we conclude the reason no one had ever been healed of leprosy in the, in the Old Testament was because the remedy for sin had not been given. And what Mark wants us to know in chapter 1 from right out of the box is not only can Jesus heal physical leprosy, but he's come as the atonement for sin he's come to, to forgive sin what did Jesus say is it easier to heal on the Sabbath day or to forgive sin but so that you will know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sin rise up and walk he was saying I am the atonement for sin I am the guilt offering for sin not only can I heal your body not only can I take care of your circumstance not only can I perform miracles but I can can forgive sin. And yes, John, by the way, I am still he who has come to take away the sin of the world. Hey, if you walked into this place today carrying a load of sin, load of condemnation, a load of guilt, condemnation and load of guilt, I want to tell you the redeemer's in this place today. The, the, great, the great forgiver is in this house. The, the one who can reckon and atone is in this place today. You don't have to walk out of here with that load of guilt and that shame. Hallelujah. If God's ever done anything for you, if he's ever forgiven your sins, if he's filled you with the Holy Ghost, would you clap your hands to Jesus right now? Am I preaching to anyone that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Am I preaching to anyone that's been forgiven? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My load is lighter. <laughs> yeah, my soul cries out hallelujah for what you Let me move quickly. The second miracle that only Messiah would do, he would cast out a deaf and dumb spirit. Dumb there meaning mute. A deaf and mute spirit would be cast out by Messiah. Only God could do this. Again, not to cross up your theology, but the temple period, which was the period in which Jesus lived. I'm sorry, the second temple period, the period in which Jesus lived. Casting out devils was not an uncommon event. Josephus tells us of a Jew named Eleazar who cast out devils. If you go study Matthew chapter 12, the Pharisees uh, accused Jesus, said, you're casting out devils by the prince of devils. He turned to the Pharisees and said, well, by who or by what name do your children cast out devils? There was a lot of devil casting out going on. We would be fair to ask why there were so many people possessed with the devil. I don't know. I don't know why there's so many people running around. But there were. And when the rabbis would cast out a devil, they had a formula they would use. They would ask the demon their name. The demon would identify itself using the voice of the individual. And then the rabbi would cast the devil out by name. Jesus did this himself in Mark chapter 5 and 9. Remember, he went to the demoniac. He said, who are you? What is your name? He said, we are legion for we are many. And then Jesus cast the devil out of them. But the miracle of the Messiah in this case, as you can understand, a deaf mute 
can't hear to, to, to hear the question to identify themselves, and they can't speak to identify themselves. So it's an impossibility. The rabbis couldn't do it. The other faith healers of the day couldn't do it, but Messiah could do it. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. Let me just hit a couple of high points here. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb or a mute spirit. Uh, it throws him into the fire. He gnashes with his teeth. Verse 19, Jesus said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Bring this child unto me. And they brought him, and they saw him. He fell on the ground. He was foaming. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. This instant alone was enough to establish Jesus as the Messiah. Because he did what was truly believed in that day to be impossible. He demonstrated that he had supreme authority and power over, over every evil spirit, over every devil in hell. No matter what, Jesus was the authority over them. And I want you to know in this house today, if I may say in passing, some of you feel like every devil in hell has come against you in 2020. Some of you feel like that you'll never, ever come out of what you're in. But I want to tell you today, you have the name of Jesus applied to your life. I want you to know you're walking in steps ordered of the Lord. And when you pray in Jesus' name, the devil has to get his hands off of you. I want you to know that when the enemy looks at you and sees that you have the name of Jesus on your heart, you have the name of Jesus on your mind, you have the name of Jesus on your soul, he has to back up. He has to get his hands off because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because the Bible says God hath highly exalted and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. I want you to know the only label you need is the label of the name of Jesus on your life. You don't need what anybody else has to say. You don't need what the enemy tries to lie to you about. It doesn't matter what the world tries to tell you. I'm telling you that Jesus can do all things in your life. Somebody clap. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. The third miracle was to raise someone who had been dead four days. Now, the miracle of the Messiah, the Jews thought that a dead person's spirit remained in them or with them for three days. But after that time, a person could not be brought back to life. It happened, it wasn't terribly uncommon that somebody might be raised to the dead from the power of God after three days. But never the fourth. Only a Messiah would be able to do that. Of course, we go to John 11, Lazarus had been dead four days when he was risen or when he rose again after Jesus called him forth. 
And if, if you read down through 11, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go quickly here, but if you read down through 11, you'll see Jesus, if, if, when you read with this knowledge, the scripture, you see Jesus was setting them up all along. You see it. Uh, in, in verse 15, Jesus told the disciples, he said very plainly, before they weren't even there yet, he told his disciples, he said, Lazarus is dead. He's already gone. And he says, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. Why? To the intent that you may believe. He was saying, I'm getting ready to show you that I'm the Messiah, so just hang on. That's what he was saying. So in, in 11.17 he, of John, Jesus came and found that Lazarus had been in the grave four days. He, he already knew that, of course. And, and this is the part I want you to get. This is the, the, to, to the word for somebody today to encourage you. Mary and Martha were beside themselves. Their brother Lazarus had died, had been dead four days. And, and that's why she, one, I've forgotten which one, Mary and Martha, one said, Jesus, he's, he's been dead four days. In other words, forget it. Jesus said he'll, he'll rise again. She said, yeah, but he's been dead four days. The best hope we have is in the resurrection. And, and they were completely, completely devastated. And the Bible says that Jesus... With that authoritative voice, so that they would believe that he had all power in heaven and earth. In other words, that he was the Messiah, says Lazarus, come forth. What Mary and Martha did not understand was that the death of their brother, the situation they were in, had absolutely nothing to do with them. But it had everything to do with Jesus showing off just a little bit. Oh, I want to tell somebody today, that answer that seems so elusive in your life, that situation that seems like it just won't go away, that situation where you thought, Jesus, if you'd have been here yesterday, maybe you could have done something. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe Jesus just wants to show off a little bit in your life. Oh, is there anybody that can look through the eyes of faith? And say, God, make yourself big in my life. Be magnified in my situation. Show yourself to be the Messiah in my life to the glory of God. Hallelujah. There's so each one of these is a sermon. I got to keep going. Last one, and this is where I'm headed. This is where we're going to go right here. We're going to conclude on this point. The last one. Miracle of the Messiah is the healing of birth defects. The, the Talmud, the rabbis felt like the Messiah would heal birth defects. And so that's why I, I, I put together in Jesus' comments to John, blind and lame. Uh, because both of these, as we're going to see in scripture, were, were healed at, from birth, from birth defects. The, the reason this was a miracle only Messiah could do. The Hebrew sages, the rabbis believed that birth defects were a punishment from God. And for the sins of, the, uh, of ancestors. They base this on two scriptures. Exodus 34, 7. Just very quickly. The last part of that. It says he'd visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Bottom line. That's what that verse is saying. And then Exodus 4, 11, The Lord said. Who made man's mouth? Who maketh him dumb or deaf? Seeing or blind have not I the Lord. They felt like God made you the way he made you. And essentially it was because of sin. Of either you or your forefathers. And so there's nothing that could be done about it unless God himself intervened. And so you look in John chapter 9, it's verses 1 through 28 again. We won't read them all. But look at this. Jesus passed by, saw a man which is blind from his birth. And see, the disciples are thinking exactly like they've been conditioned to think from Torah law, from thousands of years of Jewish teaching 
This is automatically what they think. Just, it's foreign to us because when we see somebody sick, or we don't think, well, there must be a curse of God on them. We don't think that way. Or at least I don't. I hope you don't. And, uh, but, just, but just as we don't think that way, it was ingrained in them to think that way. That was default. And so in verse 2, the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And now that you know about the four miracles of the Messiah, look at Jesus' answer. Neither one, but so that I could show myself as the Messiah. There's a greater purpose at work here. And so very quickly, I'll just take you through the miracle. He spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, had him go wash in the pool of Siloam. Another, if you go look at the law of Moses, they had the, the washing, the, the miracle of the water, another sermon there. And they brought him to the Pharisees. Look at verse 17. They said unto the blind man, what do you say of Jesus that he opened his eyes? And the blind man, or the former blind man, was very wise. He was a sage himself. He said, ah, he's a prophet. He took the easy way out. He knew he was the Messiah. He healed him from birth, blind from birth. He knew what this meant. And the Pharisees knew what it meant. That's why they were asking him, if you read through They also call in this guy's parents. They ask him. They take the easy way out. They say, hey, he's old enough. He'll tell you what he thinks. Don't ask us. And the scripture says they did it because they feared to tell the truth to the the Pharisees about the Messiah. And then John 9, 25. I just have to read this because it's it's classic. We all know it. And if I'm going to preach on this text, I got to say it. But he says, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I do know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Oh, that's what happens when Jesus comes around. That's what happens. I was, but now I am. I used to be, but you ought to see me now. Oh, yeah. Is there anybody that Jesus reached down into your life and he lifted you up out of the miry clay and he set your feet on a rock to stay? Has he brought you from a long way? Has he proved himself to be the Messiah in your life? Help me, Holy Ghost. Jesus, Jesus. With every miracle, I'm almost done. With every healing, with every divine demonstration of authority over spiritual darkness, Jesus was telling those that would listen I am the Messiah. It was divinity and humanity coming to bring life more abundant. And that brings us to my favorite book of the Bible. The one I've been studying lately. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a defile. Ah, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I believe I'm preaching to somebody that's been filled with the Holy Ghost today. There's something churning on the inside like a fire shut up in your bones. And you're saying, that's the Spirit of God dwelling in me. Oh, I've tasted and I've seen that Jesus is who he says he is. I've got his Spirit on the inside. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that's just Acts chapter 2. I still haven't got where I'm going yet. That's Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Now, what you got to understand when you're reading through the scripture, I've been doing this as well. This is a new practice. You need to adopt it if you haven't already. The Bible is so silent on so many details we wish it would have. Mattingly so. So when there are details that it does include, you ought to slow down. They're in there for a reason. And so Luke gives us an account of the very first apostolic miracle. Acts chapter 3, they've come out of the day of Pentecost. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple of the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame. How was he lame? Did he have a self-inflicted gunshot wound or the kneecap? Did the mafia come by and hit him in the ankles with a baseball bat? Luke takes very careful pains to include the fact that he was lame from his mother's womb, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Well, Peter, if you don't have silver and gold, you don't have much to offer. What, what you got, dude? What you talking about? And Peter looks at him steadfastly and says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. The very first apostolic miracle that we have record of coming right out of the day of Pentecost. Peter and John can't perform this miracle because they're not the Messiah. Only Messiah can heal somebody that is lame from their mother's womb. But the spirit of Messiah living in them. The presence of Messiah working through them can do all things. That's why Pentecost was punctuated with this miracle because Peter and John could not do it. But coming out of the day of Pentecost, they had the presence of God flowing through them and they performed miracles in the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to catch a glimpse of that and clap your hands to Jesus. The miracle of the Messiah is really not those other four miracles. The miracle of the Messiah is that he's working through you and that he's working through me. The miracle of the Messiah is that he's in us today. Clap your hands to the Lord. And that's why you may be seated. And that's why in verse 12, when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? What's the big deal? And why are you looking earnestly? Bottom line is they checked them out. They interrogated them. They asked them, what in the world is going on? And that's why Peter said, we, we can't do this. And then he spends the rest of the chapter pointing to Jesus. If Jesus is the Messiah, 
and he is. And if his spirit lives in you, and it does, Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. Matthew 10 and 8, he commissioned his disciples. He said, you go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, well, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have give, been given, or freely you have received, freely give. He told him, he said, you go do the miracle of the Messiah. They can't, but the power of the Messiah working in them can. I want you to know today, you don't have to have a doctor's degree. You don't have to be famous. You don't even have to be a preacher. All you need is the spirit of Messiah working through you. That's why Pentecost was punctuated with Acts chapter 3. Musicians come. We're getting ready to see manifestation of the presence of God. As they do, and in conclusion. I remember, it's been several years ago now, but most of you know the story. Dawson, we rushed him to, uh, to the emergency room that Sunday afternoon. And it started a two and a half year journey of leukemia treatment and ultimately healing. And... The, um, we, we were there that, that Sunday night, all night in the uh, emergency room. And then the word got out. You all began to respond. And then Monday, all day, we were just kind of waiting to see what was going on. And then Monday night, they decided to do a biopsy. They had to take him, you know, put him, put him under anesthesia. And they took a gland out from the back of his neck to do a, a biopsy. While he was in for that surgery, so many of you came to the waiting room and sat with us. But then as we were sitting there, you all, the ones that were there began to say, and, and somebody gave me a, a cell phone, put it in my lap, and there was a live stream feed going on of a prayer vigil that the rest of you were having right here. While Dawson was in that biopsy, you all were praying here. And I watched that, and Pharaoh watched that on live stream. Y'all were praying for him. And so that, it came back, bottom line, is that he was diagnosed with leukemia. Two and a half years of treatment, and, and then ultimately he was cut free. And I tell people this all the time, the, the miracle, is, yes, he was healed of leukemia, no question about it, the miraculous touch of God. But to me, the real miracle is this, is that going in, we had to sign a stack of papers this thick. And the doctor talked to us 45 minutes. The Murphys were there with us about all the side effects that could happen and all the things that could go wrong. And, and that you're talking about muscle problems and you're talking about bone problems and you're talking about liver and pancreas and all that stuff that the chemotherapy treatment can do to a human body. And I'm telling you, after Dawson took that last chemo treatment over two years ago now, it was like the Lord flipped a switch. And he's never had a problem with bones. He's never had a problem with muscles. He's never had a problem with, with liver or pancreas. It's Jesus made him whole. That's my point. The miracle is, is that God made him whole. He didn't just heal him of leukemia. But this is the point. You prayed that night at the prayer vigil. You can't heal leukemia. And you can't make somebody whole. And I can't heal leukemia. And I can't make somebody whole. But the spirit of the Messiah working through us 
can do all things. The Spirit of the Messiah moving through us can heal to the uttermost. Why don't you stand as an act of faith and clap your hands to the Messiah that can do all things. So John the Baptist, he is the Messiah. Grace Church, in 2020, he is the Messiah. Child of God that's going through the fight of your life, he is the Messiah. And so I'm giving an altar call today for two groups of people. If you're here today and you need a miracle, if you raised your hand a while ago and you said, I need God to work in my life, I'm telling you, he's going to work today. God's going to do the miraculous in this place today. The second group of people is this. You've caught the vision. You've heard what pastor has preached the last few weeks. And you believe that God is about to rise up. And out of the ashes of 2020, he's positioned his church. And he's getting ready to do signs and wonders following. If you believe that and you want to be a part of that, I'm giving an altar call for you too. So that you can raise your hands and you can say, God, I've got your spirit on the inside. And it's time to see you work. It's time to see you move. I want you to move through me. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. Come on, if that's you today, if you're in any category that I just mentioned, feel free to come on down to the front and let's let God move. If you feel led to lay hands on somebody, lay hands on somebody. If you feel led to pray for somebody, pray for somebody. But let your faith be released. Let your voice be heard. And let's let God move right now. Come on, help me praise team. Help me praise thee. Come on, church, let God move. Come on, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Come on, right now, in Jesus' name. Help me minister to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. 
just told Brother Dave a moment ago that, that he just plowed down a barrier in his message today. We'll talk about it later. But he absolutely plowed down a barrier. I told you a couple of months ago that God spoke to me. And it's going to be the same shift that's going to take us to where God wants us to go. The difference is going to be the attitude of the people. And he just plowed through that barrier today. Yes, he did. We'll talk about it more in the future, the very near future. But I want to show you how Messiah can work in people. We have a number of people here today that's been healed of various things. I remember the miracle of Tucker. I, refer, I, I, I recall that periodically with you that something was wrong with his hip. He was just a baby, just had learned to walk. Brother Dave prayed for him right over there. They set him down on the floor and he ran across the front of the building. Was potentially facing surgery on his hip and all of that. I don't think we really understand how to celebrate that kind of stuff. And we're, we're working on our mindset about that. If we could celebrate it more and be more astonished. To be more baffled that God could do that. And not just accept it as a, well, God just touched him and that was it. It would increase our faith in what happened. There's another miracle here today that I want to reference. And I'm so glad they're here today so to have this opportunity. It's great to have Chuck and Schwann here today. Great to see them. A number of years ago, and I've preached this miracle numerous times, but when our church was in Baker, they were there, and she had a major problem with one of her knees. You could take her kneecap and slide it up her leg several inches just going through therapy facing knee replacement surgery I just walked over to her and asked her whatever happened to that well here's the story there was a great element of faith that 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 service that particular service and I asked sister Murphy to walk over and lay her hand on sister Schwann's knee and pray for her and she did her therapist came the next day to work with her knee and he said your kneecap isn't moving what happened I mean you're there, there's something happened here they ultimately canceled her surgery I don't know how many years ago that's been it's been at least 12 13 years ago she still hasn't had surgery on that knee the Messiah in her fixed it and you didn't need a doctor anymore this is the kind of thing that God can do and that God wants to do if we could ever get a revelation of what is truly on the inside of us we have the Messiah in us Peter and John didn't have a different Jesus in them in Acts 3 than we do. Hebrews said that Jesus is the same yesterday. Oh God, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have to understand that. I'm going to ask them to sing one more time, and I'm going to ask you to lift your hands toward heaven and ask God, help me see the Messiah Miracles, right, Tom? That is who you got the God of all 
hands on her child and I'm watching that child speak in tongues right now. It's happening right now. Why? Because the Messiah, the Messiah, Why don't you do that right now? If you feel like you have the Messiah on the inside of you, if you feel it's appropriate, just put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Pray for somebody that the Messiah in you will heal them, will fill them with the Holy Ghost, will baptize them in faith, will give them a fresh revelation. Hallelujah, Come on, somebody. The Messiah. Jesus is in this house right now. Woo! God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's the Messiah. It's Jesus. It's God Himself. For with God, all things are possible. Wait.